Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's go. Hey, everybody. It's the Saturday Show. You know what that means. That means anything that I didn't think of throughout the week, anything that you want me to talk about, about any part of the gaming industry is fair game. If you want me to talk about it, it's super easy for you to get it on the show. Send a tweet to me. I'm at RunJumpStomp. Use that hashtag, AskRJS, and I will bookmark it to talk about it on the Saturday episode. If you don't use Twitter, you can always join our community Discord over at RunJumpStomp.com slash Discord with over 1,200 other people. Join that and use the AskRJS channel to ask questions there, and I, I search in there before I start recording the show. Now, with that being said, let's get started with a tweet that came to us from at Club Nintendork. He said, hey, at Run Jump Stomp, how do you feel about Final Fantasy XIV locking a game that has already been paid for behind a monthly subscription? I just had a friend quit playing because he didn't realize he was going to have to pay another monthly sub on top of PS Plus. All right, this is a good question and a question that I feel has been answered a million times a long time ago. And as MMOs, massively multiplayer online games, have fallen out of favor and become less popular over time, uh, I think that it's less well-known that most MMOs have a subscription. You know, especially the big ones. The big ones like World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy XIV. Um, I, I still remember, I was at work. This is back when I was in the Army. I was working in an underground bunker in Hawaii. And one of my friends came to work and he knew that that I was a big video game player and he was a big video game player. And he said, Bill, I have got a game that you need to try. And I said, what is it? And he said, Ultima Online. And he told me about it and I was like, this sounds amazing. And uh, how much is it? And he said, well, it's X dollars and $9 a month or whatever the price was. I can't remember. And I said, hold on a sec. Are you telling me? that not only do I have to pay for the game, but then I have to pay every month to keep playing the game? That's asinine. There's no way I'm going to do that. Well, I ended up going over to his house and seeing him play the game, and it blew my mind. So I went and I bought the game, and I subscribed to it. And pretty much ever since, I've always kind of been subscribed to some massively multiplayer online role-playing game, whether it be Ultima Online or EverQuest, or World of Warcraft, or Anarchy Online, or Asheron's Call, or whatever. It has Star Wars, The Old Republic, uh, Star Wars Galaxies, um, Dark Age of Camelot. I've played so many massively multiplayer online role-playing games, and those are actually my favorite genre. So I have come from this place where your friend is now, where I've said, that's ridiculous, I'm not doing that. And then fast forward 20 years, I've been doing it nonstop since. Um, so I understand where your friend's coming from. But I do have to say that when you're talking about an MMO, there is an ongoing development that happens with these games. This is not a game where you buy it and it's done and you didn't, you never, like they never do any more work on it. 
ev- almost every single month in an MMO, there is some kind of new content that is being made by the developer so that their customers who are playing that game can continue to have entertainment. Many times when people are playing an MMO and they are really playing an MMO, that's the only game they played. For about seven years, the only game that I played was World of Warcraft. I might dip my toe into a couple of other games here and there, but World of Warcraft was the only game I played for about seven years. And that's not something that I say with regret because I had an absolute blast playing that game with my friends. So I understand where your friend is coming from, but I think that your friend needs to understand that having that extra subscription is getting them access to new stuff to do all the time. Now, when you first start playing a game like Final Fantasy XIV, the amount of content that is in front of you is so ridiculous and vast that yes, he's going to be paying, he or she, sorry, I'm not not prejudging your gender, um, but he or she is going to be playing that game for a ridiculous amount of time before they get to any of that new content. In fact, I would venture a guess to say that they would probably be playing and subscribing for at least a year, maybe a year and a half, unless they are hardcore crazy. They would be playing for at least a year and a half before they got to what I would call the current end game in that game because there's just so much to do. And once they, you can get to the end game real fast, but that's for people who've been playing forever and they make a new character. When you're a brand new character, you've got the little sprout next to your name in Final Fantasy 14. It's going to take you ages to get the, to, to the end and then have to wait for the new content. Um, I think that it is perfectly fair for massively multiplayer online role-playing games to require a subscription. However, I must say that um, other other uh, subscription, I'm sorry, other massive or MMOs, uh, other MMOs have found ways to monetize their games without a subscription. Games like Guild Wars Two, you can now play Guild Wars Two for free. You used to buy it and then play it no subscription, but now you can get it for free. But but games like Guild Wars Two, what they do is they monetize the customer in different ways, in optional ways. Ways like, here's a cool new mount, you can pay money for it. All right, that's cool. All right. Uh, World of Warcraft and Final Fantasy XIV, they both do that stuff, that that secondary monetization, and they also do the primary monetization where you also pay a subscription. I'm of the opinion, and I could be wrong, but I'm of the opinion that at the end of the day, Companies like Final, uh, like Square Enix would make more money from Final Fantasy XIV if they offered a free way to play or a cheaper way to play. Maybe reduce the subscription to $3 a month and have some kind of restrictions on playing. Or get rid of the subscription altogether and make it optional, very much like they do in Elder Scrolls Online. Now, when I say optional in Elder Scrolls Online, it's not really optional. And the reason why it's not really optional is because one of the things that comes with the subscription in Elder Scrolls Online is the crafting bag. And in the crafting bag goes all of your crafting materials, of which there are many in Elder Scrolls Online. 
So if you have the subscription, all that stuff is not clogging up your inventory and it's much more, uh, it's just much better experience to play that way than it is to be a free-to-play person. Uh, again, I think that Final Fantasy XIV would make more money because more people would be playing the game, but it seems like something that Square Enix and Blizzard are not interested in doing in, as far as getting rid of those subscriptions at this point. That being said, I hope your friend gives it another shot because Final Fantasy XIV is one of my favorite games of all time, and it's absolutely amazing. And uh, it, 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 it's really impressive how Square Enix and Yoshi P took that game with such a horrible launch and turned it around. In fact, if you have not yet watched the fall and rise of Final Fantasy XIV on YouTube, do yourself a favor and check it out. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Webhead tweeted at me, I always wonder why people buy games multiple times. I picked up Animal Crossing digitally for my daughter, and we have played it at the same time on our own Switch. Granted, my Switch has to be online to play, but it's still cool that one copy can play both at the same time. All right, I, I totally understand what you're saying, Webhead, and let me make sure that uh, everybody else does too. Uh, if you have multiple Nintendo Switches, you can set one as your primary console and the other one can be your secondary console. And when you are doing that, as long as nobody is playing, we'll say Animal Crossing on the primary console, then the secondary console, if it is connected to the internet, can then play the have access and play the games that belong to the account of the primary console. Hopefully that makes sense. And that's what Webhead is doing in order to buy the game just once. Now, I'm guessing that the reason why he said this is has something to do with the fact that I said that my, myself and my entire family, all four of us, are playing a whole lot of Animal Crossing on four different Switches with four different copies of the game, and we're having an absolute blast with it. Now, the reason why I think that that's the best way, personally... Because I don't want to ever not be able to play a game that is not an online game because I don't have access to the internet. Uh, when we're talking about a Nintendo Switch, this is a this is a device where you are regularly uh, going to be in a place where you may or may not have access to the internet. And if that's the case, not being able to play my game that I paid for would be irritating. And I'm willing to pay extra money for the convenience of never ever having to worry about that. And that extra money comes in the form of buying the game multiple times, once for me, maybe once for my son, and or in the case of Animal Crossing, once for me, once for my wife, once for my son, and once for my niece, because we're all playing it. On top of that, we're all playing at the same time. We're all sitting down on, in the living room, We've all got the Switch in our hands, and we're all sitting there playing the game together and saying, oh gosh, I just found this, or I just caught a bluegill. I wonder if it calls me a pink lung. And we're all 
uh, trading the the all of the stuff and going to each other's islands and having a, a lot of fun. Uh, so that's really the reason for me. Now, my question to all of you, uh, as a response to what uh, Webhead is saying here, this it, it really got me thinking. How many of you out there double dip on games? This is not necessarily the same thing as buying two copies, one for myself and one for somebody else. But how many of you have have bought games more than one time? You know what I mean? So I sent out a tweet, and I'm not going to re- read the responses to the tweet today. I'll I'll, I'll save those for uh, next episode or um, next Saturday. Uh, but I said, what are the conditions that make somebody like you double dip on a game? What games have you bought multiple times, and why? Uh, and there's a poll, so you can vote on that again at Run Jump Stomp on Twitter if you want to find that, or you can go to the show notes for episode 501 of Nintendo Switchcraft. But let's talk about this for a second. I want to talk about myself, games that I've double-dipped on, games games that I've bought a bunch of times. Well, first off, they're games that I've loved, games that I have thought are so amazing that I have to have it again. I want to check out how it's different on this platform. I want to be able to take it with me, and that's one that is huge on the Nintendo Switch, and I think that's why double-dipping happens way more often on the Nintendo Switch than it does any other time in gaming history because we can take the switch with us wherever we go and that's not something that we were usually able to do yes you could do it on the nintendo uh portable systems but when we're talking about games that were originally on we'll say an xbox or a playstation or the pc not being able to take those things with you yeah there's there's solutions out there but not being able to take those things with you most of the time, it changes when suddenly that game is portable. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Nintendo Switch has done so well. And it's one of the reasons why the Nintendo Switch has become the platform for indie games because people always have access to it. It's so light and it's comfortable to use and it's small and it fits in your backpack. It's just, it's an awesome system for bringing games on the go. So if it's a game that I really loved and I had an absolute blast with the first time around, then I'm much more likely to pick it up on the Nintendo Switch because it's portable. And the same would go for Stadia because let's say I'm playing a game on my PlayStation and I really, really like the game. I'll give you an example, Dragon Quest Eleven. I love that game. It's fantastic, but I can only play it on one screen in my house. If that game is released on, say, the Nintendo Switch, it makes a lot of sense for me to buy it on the Nintendo Switch because I can play it on my Nintendo Switch, a portable screen, or I have multiple docks for my Nintendo Switch throughout the house, so I can play it on all of those uh, screens as well. If it comes to Google Stadia, I have that same convenience. I can move it from my office screen to the TV in the bedroom to the TV downstairs the convenience of being able to play it on multiple screens is a really good motivator for me to pick up a game again that I've really enjoyed. Another reason might be that the game came out and I was playing it and I was really having fun, but then something distracted me, which often happens. I get distracted by shiny things. So I switched over to play something else and I never got back to it. And sure, I could play it on the original system that I was playing it on, but maybe 
they have released an up version that has new graphics or includes all of the DLC, or maybe it's on sale. And I'm l- much more likely to buy it again in that case. <clears throat> At the end of the day, I think that there's a lot of good reasons why you might double dip or sometimes even triple dip on a game. And it all depends on what your situation is, both financially and the reasons why you might do it. Things like uh, convenience or portability. Anyway, if you want to tell me and everybody else why you may or may not double dip on games, reply to that tweet and we'll get it on the show next week. And I'm all for hearing why people never double dip on games, because I know that there's a lot of people out there who that applies to as well. So last week, we had a tweet from someone asking about the Switch Pro and what would make me replace my regular Switch with it. So I turned the question around and I said, "Uh, that's a great question. I'm answering it right now on the show, but I'm curious what everyone else thinks. What feature do you need? And I said need in all caps to make you upgrade from a Switch to a Switch Pro slash XL or whatever they may or may not call it. Reply with your reasons for the next show. And uh, let's take a look at some of the answers. So uh, first off, Adam Entium says, a Zelda edition would make me upgrade regardless. Other than that, probably not until I can no longer play new games on my old Switch. So Adam Antium is, is assuming that when the Switch Pro comes out, that that will actually bifurcate the audience. And some games will only run on a new Switch, and some games will run on both an o- a new Switch and an old Switch. And I can understand why he would say that, mostly because Nintendo has done that in the past with the, um, with the new 3DS XL. When that new 3DS XL came out, there was a game, um, Xenoblade Chronicles, which was a port of a Wii game, which is kind of crazy that they were able to get it running on a portable system like the 3DS. And um, it only ran on the new one and did not run on the old one. At Nintendo Fit said that they would need a larger screen, hardier processors, and they want it to be able to run higher end games with less compromises, even if it's just in docked mode. And to that person, uh, Nintendo Fit, I say, I worry that bifurcating the market by making games that would only run on the new one would hurt the entire Switch ecosystem in the long run. I think that that is a very bad idea, and I hope that they never do it. If they do bring out a Switch Pro, Switch XL, I hope that it works the same way as the Xbox One to the Xbox One X. The same way as the PS4 to the PS4 Pro. Doing that, where all games run on both but will run better on the Pro version, I think that that's the right model, which is surprising to me because when that originally was announced that they were bringing those systems out, I was very wary that A, the Pro systems would get ignored because all of the developers would say, I want to go to the lowest common denominator and make sure everybody can run the games. Or B, they would make games that would run on the new systems, but they would run real, real bad on the old systems. And I think that that, that, that didn't happen. And the reason why that didn't happen is mostly because... I think that the, the 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 newer gaming engines 
that are used to make video games, I think that they're better at dealing with variable hardware than they used to be. And this is coming from a non-engineer who doesn't really know anything at all about that stuff. Anyway, I think that I, I thank you for responding to those questions. The Atari 2600. Now get up to $30 in rebate offers plus a free Pac-Man. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. During the last Direct, they announced that Borderlands 1 and 2 will be running on the Nintendo Switch at 1080p, 30 frames per second, and they would have motion controls. And I said, will you be picking this up? Reply with your reasons, and I will read them on the show. Now, this kind of goes back with what Webhead was asking about earlier about double dipping, because a lot of people have already played Borderlands 1 and 2. Myself, I have not played either Borderlands 1 or Borderlands 2, so if I pick them up on the Nintendo Switch, it would be my first time and not actually a double dip. Let's see what everybody said. 57% of people said no, they would not be picking these up. 42% of people said yes, they would. Charles McFall, who's a good friend of mine, said, I already own both of those on all my other machines. I love the game. But after beating it many times, how many times can I really keep buying it? However, if this is your first run, I highly recommend Borderland, Borderlands 2 with all add-ons for Switch. Captain Logan, who's another good buddy of mine, says, uh, since the update to the Steam versions, I want to make sure I'm recording this. Okay, good. <laughs> I got nervous that I, wasn't, that I hadn't hit record. Um, since the update to the Steam versions, you can regularly get these on the cheap through other platforms. These should have been lined up with Borderlands 3 launch. That's a really good point. Borderlands 3 launched not that long ago, and it would have been nice if the Borderlands 1 and 2 on the Switch were launched at the same time. However, I'm guessing that the development just couldn't work it out. They probably needed to free up people who are working on Borderlands 3 to work on Borderlands 1 and 2 ports. That is, of course, unless they have a th- uh, actually i don't think that that makes sense if i remember correctly um they, they hired a a third company to work on the ports so i don't think it was actually 2k games that are working on it anyway moving on uh nakashima says i already have them on pc i don't need them again on switch i also much prefer keyboard and mouse for any game where i have to aim anyway I'm no good with a controller when it comes to precision. Uh, Matt, a.k.a. Kodiak, says, if it runs well, yes, I'll buy it. I think that'll be the fifth time for Borderlands 1. I'm not too fussed about motion controls, though. Um, Kid Whimsical says, no, I've played them enough on Xbox and PC. And let me see, we'll do one more. Bug Hunt Man says, my backlog is way too big already. Not to mention Animal Crossing is taking up all of my time and is never-ending. Thank you very much for everybody uh, who replied to that question. As Nintendo begins to take on new forms, it's important that we can measure how addictive they truly are. All right, I've got two more questions that I'm going to get through very, very quickly because I feel like we're going kind of long today. Uh, The first one is, where are you going to be playing Minecraft Dungeons when it comes out? If you don't know, 
Minecraft Dungeons is basically Diablo with a Minecraft skin on it. And I've heard very, very good things of it on it. Some people have said that this may be Microsoft's best game of the year, which is very exciting for me because I love the Minecraft aesthetic and I can't wait to play Minecraft Dungeons. Anyway, uh, I said, where are you guys going to play it? 51% uh, said Switch. 5.9% 5.9% said PS4, 19.6% said Windows, and Xbox was coming in at 23.5%. Now, my very good friend Craig says that he will be playing at home because of the quarantine. Touche, Craig, touche. Um, I, I want to say that as far as this breakout of 51% playing on the Switch, this is a very self-selecting um, uh, kind of uh, poll and the reason is because I do a podcast about Nintendo. So a lot of people who are going to see my tweet are going to probably be playing it on Nintendo. That being said, uh, the big thing here is PS4 is really, really low. That surprises me. Actually, maybe it doesn't surprise me. And here's why. A lot of people might want to play it on Switch because portable. A lot of people are going to be playing it on Xbox and Windows because of Game Pass. Dave Bellinger, I'm sorry, Dave Bellringer, (laughs) he says Xbox because of Game Pass. Uh, Chris N says, we'll try it on the Switch so that it's portable. And let's view more replies that just closed on me. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Chris Pengilly says Xbox because of Game Pass. Uh, Darkwing agrees with Chris N's about Switch because it's portable. Uh, you know, when you're talking about the Game Pass, if you are subscribed to Game Pass, then you're going to have access to that game without having to pay for it on either Xbox or PC, actually on both Xbox and PC. I think that that's a pretty good motivating factor. All right, one last question. I asked, will you be playing The Outer Worlds when it comes to Nintendo Switch on June 5th? Uh, Let's see, we said 64% said no, 35% said yes. Uh, Lieutenant Red Panda says, I wasn't a fan of it on X1, so X- Xbox One, so I will pass. Captain Logan said, yes, I plan to pick up a, combi- a copy to support a friend of mine. Uh, Octoon Z-Boom says, I played on the X via Xbox. I'm assuming that they mean Xbox. When did it become just X for Xbox? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but they said, played it on the Xbox via Game Pass. Great game. Hope it plays well for Switch people. Uh, so it seems like most people, a lot or many people, have already played it. Joe Walker says played it on Game Pass. I'll be happy to get a physical copy on the Switch though. Uh, Mediocre Gamer says Game Pass baby. Ash to a- ashes to ashes says uh, already got it on Xbox. Um, Lord Chips says I will most likely play it, but not on Switch. I got that bad boy on Game Pass, completed it once, but I still have achievements to get and other story character build options to explore. Uh, anyway, thanks everybody for replying and thank you all for listening to the show. If you want to become a part of the community and you haven't already, join us over at runjumpstomp.com discord. If you have not, you are missing out on some awesome people. You can also watch the show live on Monday, Wednesday, Friday over at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. And, um... You can get a hold of me on Twitter at RunJumpStomp. This show, part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, check them out over at gstu.net. And the music you're hearing right now is Corneria, Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. 
I'm out of here. You guys all stay rad. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.